You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. October is our missions month. We uh, have these faith promises. We're still uh, kind of bringing those in. Uh, But before that, if you remember, we've been studying the book of James this fall. And today we're going to be back in the book of James and excited about that. And as your pastor, I just want you to know I am fired up for today. Uh, The idea of leading people, shepherding the flock, taking step by step through the book of James. And I have been smitten by an idea that we saw right at the beginning at the book of James in regards to stability and the fact that we should be growing up in our faith. And I want to go back to James chapter 1 and starting in verse 2 to lay some foundation as we move forward uh, for the next few weeks here. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when, not if, you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Everyone say steadfastness. Come on. Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then in verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given to them. The book of James is a book of wisdom. Some people will say that it's like the New Testament Proverbs. So in the Old Testament, there's Proverbs, and New Testament is the book of James. It's a blueprint for our lives. And as we realize, as we study this, as we let this saturate our lives, it should bring some steadfastness, some stability, some maturity is the goal. And we want to see that across the board here at the Gateway Church. Last time, uh, Pastor Rocky was preaching in uh, chapter 3, and he ended on a note about wisdom. And if you were here, he had the, the toothpaste, and he wasted an entire tube of toothpaste. And I was thinking about it. How wasteful was that? And uh, there are kids in Africa that don't even have a drop of toothpaste. And he was wasting it. And so next time you see Pastor Pastor Rocky, I don't think he was here for a service, but uh, uh, give him a hard time for that. But uh, I want to go back to the the end of his uh, section of scriptures to preach through because it really ramps up for today's message in James chapter 4. So turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 13, and I will start reading there. It says, Who is wise among, wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his good works in the meekness of wisdom. So you'll see this wisdom piece that we're going to really hone in on today. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false. Uh, and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But wisdom, this is key, is from above. It's first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
wisdom starts here. It's going to move into chapter 4 in just a moment. And my greatest hope for us is that we would be faithful, that we would ask for wisdom, that we would be growing in maturity. And I just love uh, this book, how practical it is. And uh, there's a bunch of you that when we started the book of James, you're like, yeah, that's my favorite book. Um, I love uh, the book of James. And, and I like it as well. And I, I do recognize why some people will say, yeah, that's, it's such a great book. But I've noticed along the journey here that there are a lot of questions that the book of James or the, the letter uh, written to the churches, there's these questions that are kind of agitating, that are kind of get under your skin. And it's instead of loving it like a piece of cake and ice cream, it's kind of like loving it like a root canal, like, ah, all right, I got I, I to gotta address this. And uh, this is going to be good for me, but, uh, but it's going to hurt along the way. And that's what the book of James has been and continues to be. But can I just remind you, you might want to write this down. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 says the beginning of wisdom, as we ramp up into uh, chapter 4, is this. It says, get wisdom, or in this version, get insight. Get insight. And so let's get some insight from chapter 3. It says that the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. Pure, with godly principles, God's word is true, and you've got to draw a line in the sand and say, God, I am going to live your way. It's the right thing to do. And the word purity really describes Jesus, doesn't it? First John chapter 3, verse 3 says, anyone who thus hopes in him, that's in, hopes in Jesus, purifies himself as he is pure. And of course, we're not going to become perfect on this side of eternity. Uh, that's not what we're looking for. But we're talking about integrity and saying, look, let's think about our lives and how are we exhibiting this purity? And I'm not talking about just today. You look around and everyone looks really good and uh, looks, looks great today. But at home, are you pure? At work, in your interactions. And then it goes on to say, not only is wisdom from above pure, it's also peace-loving, peaceable. That means you don't stir things up. Someone needed to hear that today. It goes on to say to be, that it's kind, right? Or it's gentle, kind and gentle. That's, that means being considerate, considering others. And then open to reason. I love that. And maybe this week in particular, willing to yield. I like that. Full of mercy and good fruit. The world would say, judge others, right? Instead, we should bless others and let God repay those that need to be repaid. And then it says to be impartial and sincere. These are incredible things of wisdom. Do not be a hypocrite. Let's be real. The reality is, is we're all here. The, the playing field is level here. We're all in the same hospital. We all need God's help for us to become more and more like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, reminds me of Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having of the same love, being of the full accord and of one mind. Then it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. That's a good one. 
says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. We're going to see that come alive today. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so again, chapter 3 is ramping up into chapter 4. And really, it was a letter. There's no chapters and verses. But look at as chapter 3 ends. It says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And you're going to see that verse carry over into the next verse in a second. But let me just acknowledge that we are to bring peace, right? We're to sow seeds of peace. We are to bring life into everything we do. We are the peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Write it down. You can look it up later. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, right? For they are, will be called sons of God. And then a little later in that chapter, we are encouraged to let our lights shine before men, right? Let your light shine. Matthew 5, verse 16. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So with all that as a backdrop, I want to encourage us to get our minds ready for James chapter 4. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to read this. And uh, we're, we're standing and reading, honoring God's word. This was a letter that was passed around from church to church. And they would have read this out loud. And so in, in honor of that, um, let's do that. And I want to encourage you to, as we read, to maybe have a pen and maybe circle some things that the Holy Spirit illuminates to you, some takeaways, and use this journal uh, to, to take some notes for sure as well. Verse, or chapter 4, verse 1 says this, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? There's one of those agitating questions. Right after he's talking about being peacemakers, right? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is not, of no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But, verse 6, he gives more grace Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then verse 10, I've got this circled here. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to, dest and to destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Another. So there's, remember, this, James is writing to address some issues. So there's some judgment going on. There's some fighting, some quarreling. And then he moves on to a third idea, verse 13. Come now, 
you will say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And then he asks another question, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, and I've got this circled as well, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Father, I pray that your word would come alive. I pray that you'd use the foolishness of preaching over the next 15, 20 minutes to challenge us, to change us from the inside out. God, do a mighty work. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated this morning. When I look at these verses, the thing that jumps out to me and the thing I want to drive home today is that godly wisdom leads to maturity. Chapter 3 sets us up in an incredible way to get to chapter 4. And this truth, you should write it in your, in your um, Bible there, godly wisdom will lead to maturity. And I just have three things that I want to address. And then we're going to come at the end and address those in a, in a responsive way. And you're not going to be responsible for all three. So I want to kind of set your mind at ease as we go through these. There's going to be one that's going to kind of capture your heart or the Holy Spirit is going to enlighten. And that's the one I want you to really hone in on uh, when we move to our response time. But the first thing when we talk about godly wisdom leading to maturity is that we need to acknowledge the fact that you need some help. Hmm. I figured I'd just start stepping on all people's toes. In fact, yeah, I was thinking about it. And uh, during worship, I kind of looked around and I, I realized that there are some messed up people over in this section over here. I just, I just, I just kind of sense it. But then I, I, I kind of turned and, and I, I noticed some messed up people over here as well. And and, and then, even in the godly section in the middle, I realized that there were messed up people everywhere. Even Pastor Sean messed up. I'm just saying, just messed up. And so James, as he moves in to chapter 4, he's saying, look, we want to be people of maturity and of stability. And he asks this question that just kind of gets at us. He says, what causes these quarrels and fights among you. And then he answers the question straight up. He says, isn't it your passions that's at war within you? And he goes on, he says, and you, you desire and don't have, so you murder. And you say, murder? Was there really a murdering issue in the churches? Probably not. I think he's referring to the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus redefined the Old Testament law that says, do not murder. And he says, you should not, not only should you not murder, but even the hatred inside of your heart for a brother or sister, I'm sure that's what he's talking about. Kind of like with adultery and lust, and he, Jesus brings a new law look. And then he says, and you covet and cannot obtain. And that covet is the least attended to out of the 10 commandments for sure. But he's saying, look, it's causing fights and quarrels among you. 
If for those of you who are taking notes, you can write down Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul recognized that he was a sinner due to coveting. It's not, not something we talk about a whole lot. But it, what Paul or what James is saying here is you that the church is acting exactly opposite of what a loving our neighbor should look like. And he's getting their attention. He's saying, okay, on the outside, when we gather, you look pretty good. But on the inside, your desires, yikes. You're secretly wanting more money or seeking respect or power. Your motives is what you should check. He says, you're in love with the wrong things. You need help, right? And just like a toddler, how many of us have raised kids yeah, in the, through those toddler years? How many know a toddler is the ultimate person that's selfish, right? And, and I was thinking, we need to grow up a bit. We don't stay at a toddler range. In fact, I saw, and maybe you've heard this before, the toddler property laws. This is what it says. It says so if you're a toddler, it says, if I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hands, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had a little, if I had it a little while ago, it's still mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. I love this. If it looks like it's just mine, it is just mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And if it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> and you know, we don't, we laugh at that and we say, and we can kind of recognize that our kids were at that level at one point probably. But the truth is, is our kids should grow up. In God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the, through the servant James, writes this letter, and he loves us so much that he doesn't want to allow us to stay in our mess. He wants to help us, and we need it. So he gives us this great verse in James chapter 4, verse 6. He says he gives more grace. Therefore, God poses the proud, gives grace to the humble. I love that. He gives us, you say, well, how do we do that? How do we stay humble? How do we, how do, we do that? Well, you should give yourself fully to God. And then Jesus helps us. Uh, chapter 4, verse 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. And then in verse 10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. What I see there is this resist the devil and draw near to God. You do both. You resist and you also draw near. It's kind of like diet and exercise. You need to put those two together to be most effective. And the truth is, the devil, when we resist him, he will flee. He's a coward. We can resist the devil and we can be overcomers. Can I get an amen? So we're talking about godly wisdom here. Godly wisdom leading to maturity. And the truth is this first point that we're acknowledging the fact that we need some help is so important. People that are mature, that are growing in the Lord, they don't do it all on their own. 
They acknowledge their need. But there's a second thing that we see here in chapter 4. And we'll move into the next section that says uh, that we need to believe the best about everyone you meet. Now, this is interesting. That Paul, or I keep on saying Paul, but James is writing to the churches. He's acknowledging that there is some fighting and quarreling, and he's saying it's your passion, and you need some help, okay? But now he's saying, look, you need to believe the best in everyone you meet. And so there must have been some judging, some, some issues, dealing with some difficult people. And I want you just in your own mind, not to say it out loud, Lord help us, but can you think of a difficult worker, someone that you work with that's difficult to get along with? Or someone that's difficult, maybe it's a neighbor. Or maybe you're on the road and, and maybe you're prone to a road rage and getting all worked up and, and you, you're you know, just troublesome by, by someone that maybe cuts you off. Or maybe there's a difficult person at the grocery store. Let's bring it a little closer to home. Maybe it's a spouse, hopefully not, or an in-law, or a friend, or a foe. I want you to think of someone that you may, tr- <laughs> may struggle thinking the best of them. Can you, you got that person in your mind for a second? All right, hopefully you're there. And, and I, what I want you to do is I want you to look at verses 11 and 12 and refuse to judge them refuse to be critical of that person, even if they're the most difficult person that is coming to mind. You say, Pastor, won't you just get burned if, we don't, if we're not careful around a person like that? And the truth is, you may be burned by this person. But we still need to believe the best of everyone. It's not our job to judge. Look at verses 11 and 12. Unless you are a judge literally, in the court of law, you should not be judging. Or I guess if you're on the jury, I guess it's your responsibility at that point. And then I was thinking, well, even with church discipline, when we have to deal with uh, some church discipline, there's certainly, uh, we're called to judge. Or if you're a parent, parents, you should be judging your kids and helping them to grow. But in all the other areas of our lives, can we believe the best of those around us? Could we believe the best around us as we vote this week with passion but not cast judgment? Because otherwise, we get ourselves in trouble. It is not our job to take responsibility for the things we have no authority over. It's our job to simply love each other. And by the way, when we do judge Oftentimes, we're wrong anyway, and we need to grow up. And let's just go back to the toddler illustration. I know when I was growing up, I had two sisters, one older, one younger. And let me just tell you, there were times I found pleasure in finding faults and letting everyone know about their faults. But how many know, if I still did that today, you would say you're an immature jerk, right? I mean, we'd grow up. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the REA principle. I, was, I talked about getting a tattoo. I haven't got a tattoo. Uh, but the respect everyone always. And it was cool. At Pastor Appreciation Time, someone got me a keychain that says, I know you can't see it, but it says REA. And on the back side, it says respect everyone always. So they saved me some money at the tattoo parlor, I guess. But the truth is, we need help and we need to 
believe the best of everyone that we meet. Don't you just like people that give you the benefit of the doubt? It's a sign of maturity, saying, all right, I'm going to believe the best until I have to think otherwise. I'm going to believe the best about you. Godly wisdom leads to maturity. And then there's one more thing that may be the toughest for us, I don't know, but we are encouraged through James, his writing, to consult with God before you do anything. Let's read it. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 15. I, I don't think I've got it on the screen at this point, but it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? It's just a mist that appears for a life for a little time and then it vanishes. Poof. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> it's kind of like Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Uh, it's like our life, it's a vapor. And uh, our, even though sometimes our lives seems like, you know, it just goes on and on. Uh, in, in light of eternity, we're just here and then we'll be gone. But then it says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we will live or do, or and do this or do that. And so he's addressing this idea of boasting or being prideful or arrogant. And the question that uh, we should be asking ourselves in our interaction, in our decisions, and is, are we honoring God with our lives? I love the fact that uh, years ago, we used to hear a lot more this verse, verse 15, come to life. People would say, if the Lord wills it, we'll do this or that. If the Lord has, if, if it's God's will, we will, you know, come or we'll go or we'll make this change or we'll do this or that. We don't talk that way so much anymore. But could I encourage us to not only talk this way, but to live this way, to bring God into the decisions of our lives, to say, okay, God, before I do anything, I want you to be first in this. And doesn't that give you a picture of maturity? Someone that understands that unless God is in it, I don't want to be in it. I think of, um, you know, my, my grandpa, um, Zoltan, uh, we, I talked with him this week. I had a chance to visit with him on, on Friday uh, when, we, when we dropped Reagan off, and she's back in Cairo. And by the way, she made it and is doing great. Thanks. I know many of you have been praying for her. But my grandpa is one of those guys that says, well, if it's the Lord's will, if it's the Lord's will, if it's the Lord's will. And then he'll talk about politics too, by the way. And, uh, and I'm like, Grandpa, okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but he's very passionate about it. But, uh, but, but I see that there's maturity in this kind of language. If it's God's will, we will do this or do that. And I love that. And James, he's writing to the church He's giving these harsh warnings in chapter 4. And the reason God allowed this to make it into Scripture is because God loves us. And he doesn't want us to stay at a toddler age. And so if there's fighting or judging or there's boasting or pride or arrogance, if it's the passions, our motives on the inside we need to acknowledge in all of those things, in others, that we need godly wisdom. 
And the point is, is that when we seek godly wisdom, when God's word comes into our lives, it will lead to maturity, that stability that we all want. We all want a measure of maturity and stability. And so if we want that, I can encourage you as your pastor, let's grow up. Let's grow up. I want to end with some application here. We've talked about three things, and I want to go through each of these here in just a moment. And I I encourage you at the beginning to kind of pick one. Which one kind of speaks to you the most? And there's the admitting that we have need for help. That's in James chapter, goes back to James chapter 1 verse 5, says if any of you is lacking wisdom, ask God for help. And I don't know where you might need help, if there's fighting and quarreling in your home, if there's anger or hatred, or maybe there's lust or an addiction or a mental, mental health uh, things. Just remember that when we think about admitting our need for help, the solution is to draw near to God and to resist the devil, right? We resist, we draw near. And let's be honest, also in verse 7 and 8, it talks about cleansing our hands, asking for forgiveness, and, uh, and clearing the slate. We need God's help. The second thing was believing the best about everyone. And maybe this is going to be for someone here. I'm going to challenge us to a 10-day challenge for those that are, are thinking this. And that, after service, uh, Pastor Rocky, who wasted all that uh, toothpaste, he came up to me and he said, on day 11, on the 17th of November, do I have to turn back or can I turn back? Uh, do I, can I only uh, believe the best for everyone for 10 days? And obviously, he's kidding. But the, the point is, is to think about everyone in a positive light. So what that means is for some of us, we need to change our perspective, right? Put different glasses on, so to speak. And if there's pride in our own hearts, we need to respect everyone, right? We need to believe the best in those that we rub shoulders with. And I just believe that God can help us in this. We can admit we're for our help. We can believe the best. And then maybe for some of us, the third is to put God first in every decision, What decisions do we need to bring God into? Our finances, our work, our relationships, our hobbies. Saying, hey, is this honoring to God? The things that are seen, the things that are unseen, are we bringing God? Is he first in our lives? And the way I'd like to see this work is I'm going to just say each of these just one at a time. And I'm going to ask you to stand for the one that is speaking to you most. And I realize that the first one, admitting your need for help, may be the hardest one to stand for. In first service, there were a lot of people that had the courage to stand. And I just want to challenge you. If that's the one that really spoke to you, don't hesitate. Just stand here in a second. And then we'll work through all three of those. And by the end, the goal is for you to be standing, okay? So don't make me come and get you and make you stand. And if you're able to stand, okay? Um, but uh, So let's just go through it. Now, first one, if that's the one that's speaking to you today, admitting your need for help, would you just stand right where you are? Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. We need it. Lord, help us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in just a moment, we're going to pray for you. Absolutely. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. What about the second one? Believing the best of everyone. 
If that's you, if that's the one that kind of spoke to you, I want you to stand up, and I want to just speak to you uh, for 10 days. For those that are hunters, that gets you through opening day of gun season on the 15th, on the 16th. Uh, again, uh, 10 days from now, uh, I, I just believe in, in every interaction that you would believe the best of others. And man, especially on this uh, week when our nation and our cities are divided, uh, let's think the best of others. And then the last one, uh, this is the rest of us here, put God first in your circumstances, in every decision. If that's you, I want you, and this not, is not an easy one, but where is God moving? And this is what I want us to do. I want to challenge us. Now that we're standing, we've all responded. There's one of these three that were most impactful. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to share when you stood up. And I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise. We all saw where you stood. But, um, but I want you to say, hey, I'm admitting my need for help, all right? Uh, or I, I want to believe the best in everyone. Or I'm going to put God first in my decisions. And then a quick why. Why is it? Why did you stand up for that one? And then after you exchange those pleasantries and, uh, and share the why, the quick why, then I want you to pray for one another. And as you do that, the worship team is going to prepare to lead us in a song of commitment in, re- in regards to these. But just do it right now. I want you to partner up, turn, and share. Which one did you stand for? Admitting your need, believing the best, or putting God first? And let's make sure we all have somebody. If you're standing there by yourself, I'm going to ask you to move, turn around. We've got people around you. Okay, good. Good. Excellent. Good. Yes. Godly wisdom leads to maturity. Lord, help us. So which one stood out and why? A quick explanation of why. And then I want you to move into a time of prayer, asking God to move. Just pray for your neighbor right where they are, just real quick. Just say, all right, you can lay your hand on them if you know them. If you don't, introduce yourself and pray. And then I will close in prayer here in just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're a needy people. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you haven't already, go ahead and move into a time of prayer. Just lift your neighbor up in prayer. Ask God to help them. Help them to be kind and think the best of those around them. To admit their need for help. To put God first in every decision. Oh, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You should be praying now, and let me just pray a prayer, and then as I finish, we'll move into a time of worship. Lord, I just thank you, God, for the truth that godly wisdom does lead to maturity. Lord, as we look for you to bring wisdom into our lives, godly principles, to address the passion that's inside of us, that can be so evil. Lord, I pray that you would help us to become stable, mature believers. Lord, help us to grow up 
And God, I pray that we'll start with our admitting our need for help. Lord, no matter what we're facing. And God, that it would go beyond that. It would to, to be believing the best of everyone. Even strangers on the street. God, that we would believe the best in others. And number three, Lord, help us, God, to put you first. Lord, cultivate these things in our lives for your glory, for your honor. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond with this song. Amen. every single one of us need your help. That we can't do it in our own power, in our own might, in our own strength. So first and foremost, Lord, we just lay ourselves down. We humble ourselves. Lord, we lay whatever we're facing and we pick up our cross to follow you, Lord. And Lord, for those of us who need help, Lord, we pray that you would give us your mind, that our thoughts would be your thoughts, that we wouldn't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, we can't do it without you, so we need you to change our thinking, to change our patterns, to change our ways, Lord. So for those of us who are struggling and need your help, Lord, give us your mind, give us your thoughts. Give us wisdom, give us knowledge that come through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And for those of us who are struggling loving others, Lord, it's not a suggestion to love our neighbors as ourselves, Lord. It is a command to love others, Lord. It's Jesus, we understand that it is the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament, even one quoted by James. That, Lord, any person can love others, but, Lord, we can't say that we love you and not love our neighbor as ourselves because that is a command from you, Lord. So we pray not just for your mind, but we pray, Lord, for your eyes. Let us see people like you see them. Help us to see people who are made in your image. Help us to see people for who they are intended to be and not where they're currently at, Lord. Lord, and we thank you for the grace that you have given us. We thank you for the forgiveness that is through your name, Lord. That everything is equal at the foot of the cross, Lord. So give us eyes to see others like you see them, Lord. Lord, help us not to be people who move in our own will, in our own way, but have us be people who have your hands and your feet, that you have called us the body of Christ, that we are your extension to a lost, hurting, and broken world. And so, Lord, don't give us idle feet and idle hands, Lord, but help us to be people who move when you move, who step when you step, Lord, because it's easy to love people who everyone else loves. It's easy to love our family members. It's easy to love our friends. It's easy to even love when we're in isolation, Lord. But help us. Help us to have feet to go to the unlovable. Help us to have hands to help those who can't help themselves, Lord. 
Lord, give us your hands and your feet. And we know that as we go, as we leave this place with renewed mind, with restored vision, with your hands and your feet equipped as the church, as the body of Christ, that you will go before us, that you will be behind us, that you will be all around us as we go and bring your salt and your light to a lost, hurting, and broken world. Lord, we lay everything down, we take up our cross, and we follow you as we leave this place. In Jesus' mighty, strong, and powerful name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Uh, We hope you have a great week. You can go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.